Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Big thanks to you, John. You are back. It's Monday, the 29th of January, and you're listening to Game On. Coming up today, it's early days in the Alliance Football League, but Austin O'Malley tells us what counties lay down some markers over the weekend. In soccer, if like Mark of Ashford, you had a busy week in Ireland and missed a weekend's action, we'll bring you up to speed with Paul Corrie, while in rugby, Hannah Tyrrell and Anna McGann will join us to discuss the Ireland women's sevens beginning their Olympic year with a first World Series success down under. We have all of that plus the rest of our weekend sporting highlights. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552. We're on X at Game on 2 fm or you can WhatsApp us on 087 187 9200. Game on on 2FM. Welcome to Game On. So, Marie, how was your weekend? Yeah, good. I was watching all of the sports over the weekend. That was about the height of it. Surprise, surprise. What tickled your fancy? What was the most exciting part? I really enjoyed the performance of Conor Bradley for Liverpool in the FA Cup. I just thought that, I know it's only the FA Cup, but just the way he's able to handle himself, his technical ability, his composure, his aggression, he just seemed to fit in. And when we often hear, or we often hear of players at underage level, that they have all this potential and so few of them actually fulfil that potential and take their opportunities and to see a young lad from Tyrone going into a setup like that with all the best players in the world surrounding him and taking his opportunity it just fills me with joy and it's not just been that game either like he's done well True. over the last yeah. couple of weeks yeah. and he by no means looks looks phased by playing in that Liverpool side it's a good pedigree isn't he he has it all fearless is what he looks yeah, and even the way he conducts himself in his post-match interviews as well, like he's he's very calm. You can see that Klopp likes him, and I'd say Klopp takes a while for him to warm to people, to trust people. The players around him seem to trust him. So you can just imagine his attitude and his application in training and how he's been able to progress to that level. To be able to just slot in there for Trent Alexander-Arnold is it's not an easy thing to do and even if you look like you're looking at FA Cup or um, Carabao Cup and we're um, expecting Creeping Kelleher to go in for Alisson all the time and he doesn't like it doesn't always just happen that people slot in on the the lesser the the, the not so big days like and he's he's just taking it and to be fair to Klopp like Klopp does give those younger players mm-hmm. opportunities and I know the FA Cup is probably an easier time and, and playing in the Europa League this year maybe presents more opportunities but Conce has played a lot for them at centre mm-hmm. half this year Bradley's obviously come in young McConnell I thought in the middle of the pitch yeah. weekend, was absolutely <laughs> superb like his distribution off both his right and left foot his range of pass and the assist for Curtis Jones's goal but it would be easy to maybe you know shift maybe some of the more experienced players into positions maybe where they don't play naturally but Klopp to be mm-hmm. fair to him, he does give his, his the opportunity to some of those younger players. But what about the future for those younger players? Jurgen Klopp is on the way out. Mm-hmm. New manager comes in. There'll be the pressure of expectation on the next manager. Could that hinder all those young fellas, Paul Curry? 
It could do. I guess the first question you're, you're going to have to look at, and we spoke about this on Friday with Maria, is what bodies are going to be in the building? Like Van Dyke has come out today saying, I, we just I don't know it, yeah. if I'm going to be there at the, at the beginning of next season when Klopp goes out the door. I could see Salah, I said on Friday, exiting the building as well. But listen, I think Liverpool have shown amazing strength and depth in their squad this year. I thought they were maybe going to have a bit of a hiccup with the African Cup of Nations with Trent Alexander-Arnold being out of the building, but they've continued on in great form. Uh, it's, it's a good question, Ruby, I guess. Liverpool now need to identify the next man to come into the building to be in the mould of a Jurgen Klopp, mm-hmm. one that's going to instill the same sort of belief and values into that squad. Um, because the likes of Bradley McConnell have shown that they have quality, but they absolutely need the Rice manager mm-hmm. at the helm to, to guide their career. And we will get to soccer in detail later in the show. Austin Amali, what was your highlight this weekend? Ruby, I think, well, there was two, but I suppose the one that stood out for me was um, Stephen O'Hanlon's performance against Dublin in Crow Park. Um, I think thought it was a tour de force and topped off with an absolute brilliant finish mm-hmm. for the goal. Like, it was just like a thunderbolt. Um, I think just, I suppose, the impetus he gave Manon all evening in, in just literally sizing Dublin guys up and going by them. There was a, s- a chance in the second half as well where he ran about maybe 70 metres with a ball. Like the, He was like a nerve agent going through the Dublin team. They were just falling off him. Um, didn't I- I- end in a score. His, his namesake, David O'Hanlon, in the Dublin goal saved. But I just thought it was a you know an incredible performance. On a weekend where there was other standout performances, I thought Derek Hanavan as well mm. was exceptional. But um, I think it just Stephen O'Hanlon. And I think the standout maybe from the National League for me for the weekend was just the amount of debutants and new talent that was yeah. released into the into the, the gene pool. And they all kind of came up trumps and, and uh, they all put their hand up. I think it comes back as well we're talking about Klopp here but good managers giving them the confidence to be able to express themselves that when they have the ball they want to keep it because there's a time if they're under pressure at all from the sideline or they're they're not feeling comfortable they'll be trying to just move it on as quick as possible but you're right Osti just the way that O'Hanlon was just taking on players wanted to keep that ball wanted to take his opportunities as well I just thought Chris McNulty as well that came in and you know chipped in with one one that mm. you know the, to close the game out as well and obviously Vinnie Corey yeah. afterwards said that he was you know giving guys their chance as yeah. well and filling them with confidence and it's brilliant to see just the flush youth and the energy mm. they bring you know so hopefully these guys all come through in the wash for the summer and there'll be names to be looking out for again. With a better look, they will. It's amazing how the same managerial names keep coming back up. Marido, Jim McGuinness, back in Donegal, Mickey Hart and Derry, mm. great managers. They're hard to find. Well, do you know what's great is that there are the characters in the game, like because there's so much competition now for for eyeballs. Every sport is accessible, like the YouTubes, the TikToks. To have characters like that, they really drive the interest. What's happening on the pitch is brilliant, and we love that. And you know the great scores, and when Clifford comes back, we will all be watching. But having those narratives bubbling away under the surface is what keeps people engaged because they want to see what Mickey Hart's going to do. They want to see what way, what changes he's going to make in Derry. They want to see Jim McGuinness 2.0, what way he's going to to change the game or evolve his tactics. So I, I love having these people back in. Quick one for you, Austin. I was reading Mickey Hart in the Examiner this morning and he said he left the door open for the Glen players, Conor Glass, mm-hmm. Ethan Doherty, Kieran McFall, to come back in. I didn't force them, I left the door open. Could you really <laughs> see any of them see, saying no? <laughs> I was reading it thinking, yeah, they, they just, you could see, you could imagine, you could, just, you could feel the mind games coming off the paper, let alone what was happening in, in real time. Yeah, no, I look at it. It's really interesting. And I think um, when you think that Derry travelled to Austin Stack Park and they had 14 starters of last year's 15 that where Kerry beat them. So I, I just thought it was a real show of intent. Um, and 
you know, for Conor Glass and those guys to step into the breach again, the signal that that was showing, I think they're really going after that this year. Mm. And I suppose when Mickey Hart, you know, rings you and says he's leaving the door open, I think there's only one answer, really, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I leave it up to you. He doesn't even have to put it. He doesn't even have to put in the boat, does he? <laughs> no, no, he just said there's no boat. It's literally. And Ruby, you said mind games there, and all of those brilliant managers are just they're, yeah. they're the psychologists. They're the ones that oh. are are motivating their players without the players even know they're being motivated. I, I, I think so, and I, you know, I mean, I'm always looking at Jack O'Connor because. I think he's such yeah. a crafty <laughs> character like and in terms of even him eyeballing later on down the line in the summer saying right probably Derry are coming to us they're fully stacked Kerry obviously weren't fully stacked you know and the psychological bounce for that again when they meet them later on is we have a full deck now let's mm-hmm. go let's go attack this guy so there's always little subplots around this and you know between the different managers that little bit of one-upmanship and that's really healthy within yeah. the game as well and, and I always love hearing stories about the way the managers approach teams so like whether it's the Klops or the um, Jack O'Connors but Mick O'Dwyer was one that people talk about all the time and just a, a mastermind at sports psychology and, and players didn't even know and you know things don't go your way he's up to you afterwards saying oh you know the grass was a bit long there today <laughs> so he would get you right uh, for the next day I, yeah I actually remember a great when we had him in uh, I was obviously was with Wicklow for two mm. years but I remember coming out from an AB game it was the week before we were playing a, a backdoor qualifier against our man a particular player set a forward he had an absolute nightmare on the A team and I could see him he was in front of me going out the door and uh, Miko was just out ahead of us and he was he was heading for Miko obviously to say oh god I wasn't and uh, Miko just turns and he goes do you know what you're just coming into form, but <laughs> and surely, surely the same player went out and he had won four the, yeah. the following weekend. Because he knows he's fly, he's going in the next day, yeah. so he knows he's going to get the start. There's no worry about being dropped or anything. Yeah, like, you know, you know, it's just giving the gift to the man, you know. Yeah. incredible to watch I must say I enjoyed the Australian Open the other morning Yannick Sinner and Daniel Medvedev when you think of Nadal Federer Djokovic all that's gone before I thought they served up an absolute cracker and it was great to see the younger man win it yeah and it again it comes back to the, the point I made as well Ruby tennis needs a next generation it needs the big stars so to have somebody like him the flair the style um, the communication skills he seems to have everything that you need and, and obviously the ability to be able to step up into the void that those the big three are going to leave when they eventually depart if they do ever depart he's the most un-Italian looking bloke <laughs> with the red hair <laughs> yeah doesn't even sound Italian but I do think he's, his interview was very good though wasn't he he was kind of talking mm-hmm. about himself and obviously probably possibly not the easiest person to get on with or character to get on with and he was praising the team I, I thought that was very yeah good. big soccer fan as well goes to the San Siro regularly a lot of them are, aren't they, Italians? Medvedev, I think, has now a, a record of being the only man of losing the first or winning the first two sets in a Grand Slam final and then going on to lose the final. So that's happened to him twice in a row now. You enjoyed it as well, Paul, the tennis? I did. Oh, I love it. I, you, do Australian... you play tennis? And why is that no. weird? Did you ever play? <laughs> no. You just live near tennis courts. It's a closet fan. I was going to give you a yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wrong with it. You live near the tennis courts, am I right? I do. You look like there you could go. play a bit of tennis. Yeah, he he's, does. He's got, you, he's got that game. He does. Hasn't <laughs> it's because you're posh. That's why I thought it. Posh Paul Curry. Uh, I'm not sure how to take it. I got the Wilson, the racket is the boot out there. Right? Oh, yeah. rinsed here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You surely played. You surely played hockey, though, Paul, did you? Absolutely not. <laughs> just, just with, football. With knees like that, Ruby. No way. <laughs> you went to uh, private school, private rugby school, and played soccer, though. Am I right there? I did. Yeah. yeah. I went to Belvedere College. Who had a good win over Clongos in the weekend. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're following it still. We'll leave you alone anyway. So you enjoyed the tennis. You watched it. I enjoyed the tennis. I enjoyed the American football. I was watching Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. last night in the Kansas. City Chiefs. Greatest um, ever quarterback, people are saying now? Oh, he's, he's a lot. 
He's yeah. still a bit, a bit, bit to, to go. Bit Tom to go. Brady. Yeah. I think he might be on. He's either two or three, and Brady is seven. But they look really good heading into the final. Not that I know a huge amount about American mm. football. Jump on the bandwagon around this time of year. Everybody Maybe. knows it's on now, though, because of Taylor Swift. Well, that's it. That's yeah. Yeah. The power of Taylor Swift. Now I have just been told that Taylor Swift is playing in Tokyo when the Super Bowl is on. That's what the people in Tokyo think. I exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a sick note. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh, she can get one off Margaret Rashford. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to be getting on to the. We'll get into the uh, to the football on the pitch a little bit later on. But I think we while we're on this broad topic of um, different sports, sports uh, Marcus Rashford calling in sick, Ruby. Like when you think about the professionalism in the game now, and then you have somebody like him. Right in. Go on. 89, you possibly could have got away with that because, again, the manager would find out the carrier pigeon would have had to come. In 99, there would have been a phone call. In 2009, there was mobile phones. In 2019, let alone 2024, you can't get away with that. He grew up in that generation. And he's Marcus Rashford. I mean, like if you're going, if you're going to burn a candle at one end, you have to burn it at the other end. So he had to turn up. Unfortunately. So for anyone that doesn't know, he went over to Belfast. I know Paul Curry has all the details here on Wednesday night and to meet a friend. Grant, he did a night off, went over, but he stayed the extra night and he should have been back, should have reported into training and he wasn't there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the nail on the head. Yeah, and listen, when I was in the UK, we would have had a game on a Saturday. Bear in mind that Manchester United played on a Sunday, but mm-hmm. you could go out on the Tuesday you might be struggling on the Wednesday, but you get yourself into the building on Thursday, no matter how, how poorly you're feeling. The fact that he hasn't reported in, I mean, it's 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 a really poor piece of judgment from Rashford. I mean, if, if you go back to last year, maybe if he was banging in 30 goals a season, maybe Ten Hag maybe turns a blind eye to it. But the fact that he's been struggling for form this year, I think he's only hit four goals. Um, there's a number of question marks around Manchester United and the players and the characters and the dressing room in general and Marcus Rashford is one of the senior players within there you would imagine has a major leadership role within the dressing room it just it sniffs of so much unprofessionalism and he's got so much talent he's got so much ability but if he continues to live his life like this he was late for a game wasn't it last season and Ten Hag dropped him Yeah. this is now another error on, on his card and if you're a Manchester United fan if I was I'd probably be sitting there and saying sell him in the summer that's, mm-hmm. that's not the type of egg we want in our dressing room uh, you have to turn up Regardless, you just have to turn up. It doesn't. I, look, I know it's a different era to the era I was in, but you just have to turn up. A bottle of Listerine, stick your head under the cold tap, turn up. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Great picture there. I'm. I'm. I, you've painted for me, Ruby. You sticking your head under a cold tap, drinking a bottle of Listerine, and whatever it is, whatever it be, takes. Be present and counted anyway. Be marked in on the roll. Whatever happens. And there's a little bit of kind of mental toughness and robustness in that as well to, to be able to front up and, 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 and get into the building as you said there Paul um, you know because ultimately it comes down to a decision um, and what you're putting above you know what you're prioritising and as you've said it's you know there's a, there's a number of these things you know and he's sending little flares up that he's just maybe not what people thought at the outset in terms of being really dedicated and devoted to his craft um, and these are the things that can hurt, hurt a career What does Ten Hag do? Sure, like, what's he going to do? Find him a week's wages? What difference does that make to him? I would say it depends on how big a statement Ten Hag wants to make to the rest of his squad. That's what it boils down to. And if he wants to make a huge statement to the rest of his squad, he just parks him on the bench there for a month. 
He's not exactly performing though in, in No, that'd be the easy thing to do too, wouldn't it? Yeah, and like there's there's so many if you, if you think back to like Jesse Lingard, Jaden Sancho, Martial, Rashford, go back to Pogba. It seems like there's Can you get rid of them all though? Like can you can when you think like you know he has ability that, Sir Alex did it. Sir Alex walked in and got rid of a whole cohort of players he didn't want carrying on like that. That's right. The right. problem That's is they have to, if they, they've put him on this massive bumper contract where he's probably on the guts of 300k a week. Moving on is, is probably a bit of an issue, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like Ten Hag seems to have enough to deal with with that squad, and it seems every second week he's he's judging or he's, he's speaking to the media about different characters. But Paula, like in my mind, Premier League footballers now are so professional. Like they don't do things like that. Okay, maybe the likes of Kyle Walker and Jack Reedish the odd time but like it seems if you were to look at a Liverpool squad like you can you can't really imagine too many of them stepping out of line Does that stem from Klopp though? Uh, 100% I think the culture that he's built and what's and the players that he's picked Yeah exactly yeah, the, the players they developed like, I mean the culture within United at the moment I think from top to bottom is probably it's a huge problem yeah. Like, uh, and this, this does go back to the, the club as a whole and the link between the manager and the recruitment and the director of football who are the players we need to get into the building to, to sit in or fit into our shape but who are also the characters who want to get into the building who are going to lead the dressing room and if you look at Man City and Liverpool they are the ones who do it really well look at Chelsea and Manchester United who have just thrown money mm. at it over the last couple of years and it's probably no coincidence to, to see where they're sitting in the table so yeah it's it, it, it sums up Manchester United to be honest with you over the last number of years but even it isn't, when we're talking about players being professional it is quite interesting watching the Kyle Walker saga play out mm. so I think everyone will have seen that there's been issues in his personal life and he's addressing them himself he's speaking to the media his um, partner is constantly in the papers and, and there's issues at home with his domestic situation and all the rest but it just seems to be they seem Manchester City and him just seem to be getting on with it yeah, they do. And, and to be fair to Kyle Walker, on a footballing perspective, his performances have been really good over the last So that's months. what it takes, Paul, is that if your football is OK, yeah, then... That's <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. not what I'm saying. <laughs> but just in terms of how, how, how managers and clubs deal with things, mm. as long as... So if Marcus Rashford, as you said, was banging in 30 goals a season, if he missed the odd time, it would be OK. No. No, I'm not saying I, I'm just saying there are times maybe with, with certain personnel within a dressing room that you want to keep happy because they're such an instrumental part of the team. But I think with Guardiola and we look at Klopp, they just seem to have so much control over the football club and so much control over the dressing room. And footballing matters is mm. is absolutely at the forefront of of how Guardiola runs the club but also he has that sort of armour around the shoulder for the different players I don't know how you manage a, a Kyle Walker situation like that there was major rumours that he was going to be moved on to, to Bayern Munich and yeah. that he was actually going to leave and, and maybe get away from the press within the UK but whatever is going on in his personal life it doesn't seem to have had too much of mm. a uh, an impact on his on his playing side but I don't know how much of that goes to the football club or just down to the individual I don't know Yeah I just find it interesting seeing the different approaches and the different reactions to two players who have mm. issues away from the pitch uh, Look I'm not against anybody going out but the only thing you can't do is go missing like mm. people have to live a life too so if you're going to go out that's 100% fine by me players are still humans but you can't go missing going missing is a bad bad side to me Just keep turning up that's the difference isn't it mm. well, just Yep have to question his decision making Dutch didn't he go out after, this, after the derby game as well after they got thumped and Man United fans weren't mm -hmm. happy with that so yeah. it's, it's actually like it's a string of events with Rashford now whereby you're starting to question the character I don't know Marie good weekend for the Irish in Cheltenham though <laughs> they showed up 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's been a good weekend for Willie Mullins in particular. Yeah, but good weekend, full stop. Yeah, he did. Willie Mullins is a great weekend. He's having a great month. He's had nearly 40 winners this month in January. Obviously, the DRF is this weekend at the, at Leperstown, so it's all systems go go to there. And Paul Townend as well is absolutely flying. 14 winners from his last 20 rides. But there was a big sign in Cheltenham at the weekend. Paddy powered a huge banner up. 45 sleeps till the Irish take over. <laughs> and then they turned up on Saturday and won three of the eight races anyway. <laughs> Emmett Mullins, to take over. Yeah, Emmett Mullins, Noble Yates won the Cleave Hurdle as well. But um, yeah, I think it was supposed to be a big day for the English and the Irish you just... spoiled the party. Galloped all over them. Yeah, but you don't want to spoil the party too early. No. You've got a lot of why parties not? in between. Why, why not? Well, it's like just speaking too soon. It's like winning the league and not winning the championship in GA terms. Yeah, but that doesn't happen very right, recently. Okay. I mean, what would I know? You just win, just win everything then, Ruby. Win everything between now and Cheltenham and then win at Cheltenham it's, as well. It's a bit like when you're bringing the B team, Marie, and you're beating the A team. You know, when you're bringing on the A team, usually it's all right. Well, park my J analogies then. Um, so that sets everything up nicely for the Dublin Racing Festival then, Ruby? Yeah, it will be a great week at the Dublin Racing Festival. Obviously, Jerry Calam looks like the only big name who's not going to be there he looks like he's going to go straight to Cheltenham but outside of that you'll have them all uh, Milfell Biolo being the Dublin chase in Perry Pass and Stateman in the Irish Champion Hurdle galloping the Champy fast or slow Martin Brazel from a relatively small stream Marie who trains fast or slow uh, he's from Clare originally yeah, yeah. Martin yeah um, he's he the winner in Punchestown today built by Ballymore so that would be showing that his string is in good form uh, he runs fast or slow some really good novice races so yeah it'll be great two days racing in on the weekend. Great, we've Jane Mangan in on Friday. She's going to come into studio and tears up for the whole weekend. So looking forward to that one. Yeah, not very so rare. bad. We get to get we get Jane in studio. So Mike, ask her a few other things like hurling and <laughs> soccer. I'd say you want to have plenty of background done on that. I just don't <laughs> think Jane is going to really be able to help you. I don't you. think she's really quite quite into that. No. Um, before we move on to the Gaelic football, Paul Curry, there is a game in the African Cup of Nations. Pique Lopez is playing. Pico Lopez, even. Pico? What do I say? Call him? <laughs> Pique. Pique Lopez. He's doing well. Um, it's, it's nil all at the moment. Cape Verde are, are well on top and controlling the majority of possession and if it was to continue like this you would expect that they would get a goal at some point but Pico's doing very well at the heart of the defence Yeah he seems to have had a really good tournament so far the League of Ireland is kicking off with the President's Cup on the 9th yeah, and it's a brilliant pre-season from his point of view. I mean, very competitive games. He'd be raring to go once he gets back. But we were just chatting myself and Aussie off air. Like, Pico was at Shamrock Rovers when I was there. And he'd probably put his hand up and say he's not the technically mm-hmm. the most gifted player that you'd ever come across, but somebody who absolutely maximised every bit of, of talent that he has. His application, his professionalism, can't speak highly enough of him. So really good to see him playing at such a high level now and doing so well. Absolutely. Right, well you're watching it there on your phone you may as well uh, keep watching it for the next 35 minutes and let us know how it goes um, Austi the Gaelic football it's back the it's Allianz back. Football back League with bang. back with a bang um, am I fair in saying that Saturday's action was a bit better than Sunday's action probably yeah yeah. I think it was a little bit more probably to the two games a little bit more energy I, I, I really enjoyed the, the Dublin Monaghan game as I just said at the top of the show just in terms of even some of the new new faces and some of the quality of the stuff that was uh, played out um, down in Austin Sack Park obviously as well mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a lot going on in that game as well from, from a Derry perspective in, in terms of how strong they travelled you had the Mickey Hart sort of V. Jack O'Connor uh, Mark II uh, 
coming on stream again so there was loads going on in that as well and like just for I suppose Monaghan like they seem to have a little bit of an Indian sign over Dublin in the league I think they've beaten them now in the last six or seven years on the bounce so they you know they're they're consistently being rode off and they consistently find answers to stay up in Division 1 um, Derry would be very happy with their start obviously as well so those two games um, yeah there was there were I mean all the games over Division 1 were all keenly contested and there was a lot of good stuff in it yeah, it, you got that sense, all right, that they're looking for consistency. So it's consistency of performance and it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. So everything just felt quite level. Yeah, yeah. There was no nobody actually, you could say, really sort of showed a sign that they were, you know, significant level above anybody else. Um, there was, a, a, and that's what most managers are probably looking for to to get some level of consistency in terms of their selection, in terms of their game plan, and their kind of ideas. Um, and again, I suppose they're they're still finding out like about some players mm-hmm. in, that they're they've blooded and to see if they're 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 up to the mark. But I thought most of the young guys, you know, across, I thought the couple of guys that Tyrone bedded in looked really really good. Um, they complement. Obviously, Tyrone had lost a couple of big names yeah. in McNamee and and Sludden and uh, you know Richie Donnelly as well. So there was there was a lot to to, to ponder after the the first round, certainly at Division One. Jack O'Connor had said he was hoping to bolster his forward line. The Clifford's obviously out of action for a while. We're looking for um, a midfield pairing that we can see kind of last in the season. Do you think he had any of these questions answered? I suppose he's got some good minutes into Joe O'Connor he mm. looks big and robust and I think there's probably a bit to go maybe in terms of conditioning and that and they'll get another layer and level into him I think he yeah. probably will bring something to it but it was interesting uh, when Jim O'Connor was brought in because they were obviously taking in a bit of water in that middle third um, I thought he made a, a big imprint in the game and he gave them a little bit of a foothold uh, early on so he needs to unearth something there whether Joe O'Connor is the, the answer he's definitely Jack I think he Jack kind of likes one of those type of kind of robust roving guys that can get up and down so um, he, we, we'll probably see a little bit more of him up front I suppose Dylan Ganey and, and Conor Ganey they showed signs yeah that there's quality there and I think he's probably looking to unearth at least one other to take the pressure off of uh, Shawnee and David Clifford and Pawdy Kerry will be going to Monaghan next Sunday but on Saturday night Dublin will go to Mayo Mayo beat Galway and beat them comprehensively in Saul Hill yesterday yeah, they did, and like I don't think anyone maybe seen this coming. Which uh, most people, even we spoke about it here Friday, I would have thought that Galway would have come out kind of roaring, you know, uh, with a with a you know, with, you know, just with the the bit between their teeth up in Salt Hill, uh, and it never r- really got going for them. I thought they lacked a lot of rhythm. They never got any rhythm or cohesion or fluency in their play, and and Mayo kind of just kind of kept them I thought at arm's length for uh, you know long periods of that game they're finishing they you know dropped quite a, a number wide and balls short and that they just looked they lacked a bit of punch albeit that they were missing obviously you know the likes of Killian McDade and, and Comer to come back in and, and Sean Kelly as well so they're down a few but I, I just thought they would have come with a little bit more um, Mayo were Mayo they handled the ball really well it was maybe they kicked a little bit more to the inside at times I thought we got a bit of dividend of that Um and I suppose we can't talk about the game without mentioning maybe Fergal Boland, his reintroduction. He kicked three scores and looked very, very smart and his assist for the goal is well stood out. So Kevin McSay would be really happy to get two points on the board there without probably ever, you know, really um, you know, showing too much. Kevin walked in last year and left Fergal Boland out, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Would there right. been a build, a bridge to build there, or would it just be I, taken that he come back? 
Well, the type of character, Fergal, he's a, a really, really solid guy. He's a real solid citizen and he's a guy that probably, I think, may or may hasn't put enough of stock in maybe over the years. Um, he's never let them down. He's like, I, when I look in, I'm always thinking he's always contributing on the scoreboard. He works extremely hard. He's very efficient on the ball, but he's a guy that has sort of, you know, beneath the radar, his profile isn't that big. He's a really kind of solid guy. And I think sometimes in Mayo, we don't give enough credit to these type of guys. And uh, he's obviously a dual star, a hurler as well. Um, and he's a really, really solid guy. Val from Donegal has texted in to compliment Ulster, the Ulster teams, and what a great weekend they had with eight counties winning for Manor, drawing away to Meath. And he's wondering, Osti, will any of them win the Sam Maguire? Look, looking at it at the outset, I suppose, um, in in the mix, when you look at the top, maybe three or four, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, I, I think Derry have the capability to be there. Um, Tyrone building, I think they're probably a little bit off it. Uh, Armagh are still struggling to, to I think really nail down what they're about as a team in terms of how they want to play the game um, I throw one out there um, and I said probably last year even when Donegal were in the mire I think they're a team that have a lot of quality and under the the, the big man himself Jim um, I would not be surprised if, if they went really deep in a championship and threw something up you know I, think I thought them. you were sorry Marie I thought you were giving Val the answer he didn't want and then you just chucked in Donegal at the end to keep him going Donegal, I didn't yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think though with them like staying keeping a fit team is going to be so important because yeah. it feels like that they have enough but they don't have any spare players. Yeah, when you go down a level, and I think yeah. that's probably even looking at them yesterday, mm. you know, and it was definitely even something Jim uh, McGuinness alluded to afterwards about developing players and yeah. bringing a few through, like, you know, um, and, and that will be definitely your bench, your depth and your strength as, as you know, yeah. as games rack up and, and the attrition of a, a championship comes. Mm. If you lose one or two, like, the fact that he's got a tune out of Paddy McBearty yesterday, one six and that. And well, that's what I was thinking. If yeah. McBearty or someone gets injured now, yeah. Like yeah. you have a big hole to fill you there. You have a big hole uh, in terms of like you know Kieran Thompson coming in to weigh in with scores. Um, it's yeah they they will need to develop even though um, you know other guys will need to st- step up without a doubt um, and that could be could be a problem for mm. them. Meader for Manitou in Division Two. Cavan were too good for Kildare. You're not sure where Armagh are going, but they still managed to beat Loud of the Division Two teams. Austin, did any one of them think? stick their hand up and overplay themselves outside of Donegal maybe um, I don't think like looking at them there obviously Armagh you know it was, was, was really really tight against uh, against Louth um, like again as I said at the outset maybe they're, they are struggling for a little bit of form Cavan like was a brilliant result I thought um, their first day out under Raymond Galligan I think they just you know in terms of the way they stacked their defence and, and, and from getting snapshots of it they looked really really solid and kind of again kept Kildare at, at arm's length and we know sort of that division two um, how important it is in terms of you landing and, and staying in that kind of you know top 16 to to, to be in Sam Maguire so keenly contested Mead like I, I think probably not that they'd be disappointed but I would have fancied Mead to take something out of that game there and um, all credit to, to Fermanagh for getting a point down there has Colm O'Rourke a point though he's 13 players saying Sickerson 2 playing freshers yeah. that's 15 players 7 of them would have played 20 matches 20, would have played 7 matches in the last 20 days I mean 
that has to take a toll. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like some of what some of the guys are are managing and the loads they're managing at the moment is it's it's just incredible. When you think when you sandwich in Sigerson, National League guys being involved in 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 in, in squads, you know, they're being pulled left, right, and centre. It is very hard to to get any real work into guys uh, this time of year uh, and, and to bring that through. Um, so that's definitely it's a challenge to manage. Uh, and I know Colum obviously suggested post match interview that um you know that they're they're really on a big learning curve with this this squad and there it'll be he said you know even reference it could be another two years before they really you know mm. bring through what they want in terms of of, of of getting it all together yeah these things take time um Austi, thank you so much we're going to take a very quick break but do stay with us we'll be talking about the ireland women's sevens team and their world series win and we also have more football with paul curry game on on 2fm game on rugby That was the closing stages of Ireland, Ireland's women's sevens gold win at the HSB Seven Series in Perth yesterday morning. They defeated host Australia 19-14 and it was a very first uh, World Series win. I'm delighted to say that we are joined by Anna McGann, Ireland Sevens player and Hannah Terrell, a former Ireland um, Sevens players player. We're going to start with you, Anna. First and foremost, you were injured so you missed out on yesterday. Uh, how was it watching it? Oh, like, it was incredible just to see the excitement on the girls' faces. You know, it means so much to us as a squad and as a programme in general. I think we've been knocking on the door for a while now and to come through and actually beat Australia in Australia in a final is just incredible. So well, it's, But especially Australia. Such a poor record against yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Like, Australia leading... You know, in the women's sevens at the moment, they, they're the best in the world. And we, we always kind of knew whenever we go up against them, we always put up a good fight. And I think especially in the last few series, we've really been knocking on the door. Um, so to actually come through and beat them and beat them at home in a final is just incredible luck. And so how are you, Anna? Are you almost back from uh, injury? Was it an ACL? Yeah, so I ruptured my ACL two weeks post-Olympic uh, qualification last year. So... And seven months post-op and hopefully only another two to go. So um, I'll be back in with the girls soon. How far down the line are you? Fully wet, barren, running? Um, yeah, I'm I'm back running. Um, change of direction, a little bit of speed and stuff. So hoping to integrate into training with them in the next few weeks. That's brilliant, Anna. It's, uh, while you missed out um, on Sunday, at least it's kind of, it's coming right just before you'll be heading to to Paris so there is there is some light at the end of the tunnel I'm sure Um, Hannah Tyrrell is with us as well and Hannah who has played every sport that we can possibly think of including um, sevens Hannah you must know those girls so well what was it like watching them finally get over the line 
Yeah, look, uh, the squad they have there at the minute um, is a good mix of some of the girls I would have played with, like the Lucy Mulhall, Stacey Flood, Amy Lee Murphy Crow, and then um, you know they've done a really good job of bringing in some younger players over the last number of years. But uh, it it was amazing to see how they've progressed over the last number of years, and for that to culminate in in a gold medal, um, you know, for the very first time for this team is phenomenal, and it's richly deserved because. This program's been building for a very long time. And as Anna said, we've been knocking on the door a few times. They reached a final back in Spain a couple of years ago, um, only to lose to Australia in that one. So, um, yeah, to get a win over the hosts uh, in the host nation's country, you know, only the second time in 30 meetings that we've beaten them. Uh, it's incredible. And these girls are a credit, you know, um, probably don't get the same recognition as maybe some of the 15s players do because sevens isn't as big uh, in this country but for me they're on for a medal at this Olympic Games in the summer and uh, there's a big crew of past players coming out to watch them Oh sounds great so it's, you'll be heading over Hannah by the sounds of it Yeah yeah there's a big group of us who were formerly on the squad who bought our tickets um, well before the girls qualified um, with the aim of seeing them there and uh, yeah look it's going to be a really exciting summer Anna, the squad will obviously have much more of that series to play. They're in Toronto next and then moving on to Los Angeles after that. But I don't see much difference in gender and lots of things. But someone like Dupont moving back to play sevens, raise the profile of sevens. And when an Olympics coming, this is, could be a huge, huge year for sevens rugby. Yeah, look, obviously the Olympics are the culmination of the sevens. It's why it was introduced back in, in Rio in twenty. 20- 16 and, and for this women's side you know we failed to qualify for Rio we failed to qualify for Tokyo and uh, the girls were amazing last year to get through on merit in the World Series and have a whole year leading into uh, Olympic quali- the Olympics knowing that they're going and uh, every year leading up to the Olympics there seems to be some big name uh, men that are trying to join in and look for DuPont to be playing sevens is phenomenal he's probably one of the most well-known players in the world at the minute and he's, he's very very exciting and uh, we saw Brian Habana and Sonny Bill Williams and Quade Cooper have done it in the past so he'd be a great addition for France uh, not too great for our Irish boys uh, for the Olympics but look everybody wants to see the best players uh, playing on a sevens field you know, and it's exciting and there's so much skill and flair there and thankfully both our men and women's teams are, are doing really, really well and sitting in the top four of the World Series so far this year. I know, when I think of sevens, it just seems so glamorous and you're travelling to all of these exotic locations like Dubai and South Africa and Australia. I'd imagine the reality is probably a little bit different though, is it? Uh, yeah, no, it is and it isn't. Like, it's it's incredible that we get to travel the world Um I get to see so much, but at the end of the day, we're there to do a job, and you know we get we get to do some sightseeing, but there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes that's probably not seen. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely some some hard work mixed with some fun. I imagine that squad will go directly from Toronto to LA. They won't be coming home in the middle. Like surely there'll be a little bit of something, little trip to Vegas or something, maybe. No, <laughs> no, they'll be going straight there. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to stop off in Vegas. <laughs> be sticking that in the itinerary anyway if I was in charge get me the job on it <laughs> well you've given them the idea now a little stint in Vegas on the way what, <laughs> exactly. what, what about the Olympics qualifications I haven't looked group stages do you any idea who's in the group or what way it's going to work no uh, we won't know until the end of the series you know they'll base it off um, the series standings so uh, hopefully we can put ourselves in a good position come the end of the series um, we're kind of we're on track that if we keep going the way we're going, you know, we could get a, 
a bronze medal overall in the series and Australia and New Zealand are currently leading and um, they're unfortunately too far out to catch at this this stage but um, hopefully if we if we keep going the way we are going um, a bronze medal could be in, in place. Hannah, we love Olympic Games, Irish people and we love getting behind athletes and teams. How much potential is in this current women's sevens team do you think? Um, look, I think our potential knows no bounds as I said we have a couple of players in there who you know are at the top of their game Emily Murphy Crow um, you know was nominated for World Player of the Year in the past was top try scorer in the series you have Captain Fantastic Lucy Mulhall who would literally die on the field for this team and can just make things happen you know and then Baven Parsons Stacey Flood I think the best thing about this squad is there's a huge huge mix of talent and ability and you know maybe before we were relying too much on one or two players but everybody in this squad and I mean squad there's massive depth there and are stepping up and I I genuinely think there's a medal in this squad uh, going to the Olympics and the beauty of sevens is on any given day any team can win and look we saw that at the weekend Ireland were well deserved uh, winners in the end but I think we came into that tournament um, based off of Cape Town as the seventh best team you know and we went on to win it so it, it's the beauty of sevens and the excitement of it but there's huge potential in this squad with some absolutely world class players and on their day as we saw they can beat anyone Hannah we saw Vicky Wall uh, make the switch as well and she's made her debut now just for a player like her and a bit like yourself, someone that transitions from a different sport, do you think that this will be the sport for her? Um, look, I don't know. Anna might be best place to answer that considering she's probably seen her day-to-day uh, with training and rugby. Um, look, she's excelled at uh, Gaelic football, you know, and most would hope that she'll come back to that someday <laughs> and uh, give that to me uh, as not a dog, the dogs, maybe. I'd say. <laughs> I'm not thinking the same. Um, you know, she's done well in the AFLW, and um, I've only seen a bit of her, obviously, so far with rugby. You know, but for her to get a first cap over the weekend in what was such a memorable tournament was brilliant for Ireland, and for her to get a cap so early on is, I suppose, shown the promise um, and the potential that she has. You know, Alan Temple Jones, the coach, and David News Four have obviously seen something in in her to to do well and. I'm sure there is a bright future there for her, um, you know, if she was to stick with rugby. Uh, but she has plenty of options in other sports if she decides those careers too. And I, I know you've been injured. Have you got to, to see much of Vicky and, and how she's taken to the game? Yeah, um, I've been in with the girls watching training and everything. And she's taken quite naturally to the game, you know, like she is a brilliant athlete and does excel in other sports as well. So it's been really good to see her kind of in and around the girls and learning so quickly. Um, and obviously great to see her get a cap at the weekend as well as Hannah said so early on um, so there is promise there um, but yeah it'll be a tough six months into the Olympics Yeah it will be for everyone um, no doubt but an exciting time as well Anna we wish you the best with the rest of your recovery Hannah uh, thank you as always for taking our call as I said you're you're great to, to chat to us on all different sports but we really appreciate your insight today on the sevens we're going to take a very quick break now though uh, do stay with us because we have some news from the AFCON to come Fair. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome back. Um, we have to give a mention to Derry show jumper Daniel Coyle winning in Amsterdam on his Supermare legacy after winning last week in Leipzig. Incredible stuff from Seamus Campbell in Donegal Town. Yeah, it was. And she's some mare legacy, so hopefully she'll make the Irish team for the Olympics as well. Um, 
you know, we've a that's going to be a big call too. Showed up on boys. We have a lot of good horses and good riders, and that'll get tricky. Does the horses? You said she makes it. So do the horses go before the people? No, it goes to team. So obviously Daniel <laughs> Kyle will ride legacy, but the four that qualified are not necessarily the four yeah. that will make the Olympics. So it's like the rowing. Yeah, you pick a fresh team for the Olympic Games. So it's who's in form in the middle of the summer that will be picked. Ouch, that's that's tough, isn't it? When you qualify. Yeah, it is. It is, but we have a lot of good horses and. You know, it's not very often we get a full team qualified for the Olympics, so fingers crossed they can throw a shape. We've an eventing team qualified as well. Jeez, we're full team ahead now for Paris, aren't we? <laughs> I know what's more. I was just going to say to the girl, ladies before they went off, we'll all be experts on it all mm-hmm. by the time the Olympics is yeah. about to start, let alone when it's over. Yeah, even the equestrian. Uh, Paul, the AFCON. Well, I did say that Cape Verde were on top and I suspected they might get a goal and they have done and they got it laid on, Marie. There's still seven minutes to play, but... About five minutes ago, it was a terrible mix-up at the back from the Mauritania centre-half and the goalkeeper. Anyway, pulled down the centre-forward and Mendes skipper stepped up, drilled down the middle and fully, fully deserved. And it would look like they'll go through. And off the back of that, they will play the winners of Morocco or South Africa. Oh, great. So that's so, a big game for people. Yeah, big time. That's talk about Morocco, being experts on something we didn't have a clue on at the start of the yeah, tournament. Morocco semi-finalist in the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Who's our manager? I'm putting you on the spot now. Oh, I can picture him. I don't know his name, but you're talking about... Chris Hutton manages Ghana. Used to. Used to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the FA Cup, Paul. There was a lot of action. Manchester United finally got over the line against Newport County. But for a while there, it's touch and go. It was. And actually, they started the game really well. The first goal in particular, the Fernandez goal, was brilliant. Lovely interchange with himself and Anthony. And they took it really well. And... When it went 2-0 after Manu, you probably thought, OK, is this going to be a 3-4-5-0 type of game? But in true Man United fashion, you know, they, they cough up chances and, and they let teams back into games. And the first goal, yeah, a bit of a deflection. But the second one, the amount of space that Newport had down that left flank it was a well-worked goal, don't get me wrong. But Manchester United are so easy to play against at different times. And, uh, yeah, listen, they had enough quality. I actually thought, you know, when you when you watch FA Cup games and it, and it goes down to League Two or it goes against non-league, sometimes the pitch is, you know, a, a bit of a field, put it that way. That can sometimes be a leveller. Last night, it was it was a perfect playing <laughs> surface. It actually played against Newport <laughs> to a certain extent and, and probably where the pitch is even today, it, was, it really suited Manchester United. And to be fair to them, some of their passages of play were, were quite good, but they have to stamped that out of the game of, of just letting teams back in when you know they seem to be in so much control I can think back to the Champions League game that they had earlier on it was against Copenhagen 2-0 up and then just conceded a number of goals got to find a way of being a bit more controlled when they're so far on top a good pitch might be a help to Man City but come on Paul Man United at the moment they might have been better on a bad pitch <laughs> some of their players yes but yeah. I actually I thought they, they worked the ball quite well I mean you would expect so as well there's such a Golf. a golf in class yeah. between um, Newport and Manchester United if they can't do it then when can they but yeah listen certain promising signs but it's the same with the FA Cup I mean it's a bit meh isn't it sometimes when you have these draws you know do Manchester United or the likes of Man City or the top teams take it too seriously I'm not too sure I'm not sure it really heats up until you kind of head into that kind of semi-final stage No but if you're a Newport County fan in all fairness you get Manchester United coming to Newport on a Whatever night it was oh, yesterday huge. evening, huge. even tonight now, Wrexham and Blackburn, like that's Wrexham for both of them, really. 
Yeah, in particular for Wrexham and you the know, story, the story, the TV and, and show, how many promotions they've had over the last number of years, and people are expecting that you know, with the finances they have behind them, that maybe they'll go on again and, and they'll get another promotion. But I guess from from our point of view, it'd be, it'd be good to see how James McLean gets on. Mm-hmm. For, for Andrew Wrexham. Morn, Andrew Morn for Blackburn, he is definitely somebody to watch. Um, you know, we struggle for creative players who play in that kind of pocket behind front men. Andrew Morton has so much ability, abundance of talents really in, in that position. So one to keep an eye on. But yeah, listen, it, it was grand. Did you see like Maidstone was probably my highlight of the weekend. Um, you know, to go to Ipswich and, and win just the scenes of George mm-hmm. Ellicobi in the dressing room before the fans yeah. and the celebrations. I know maybe they took it a bit too far with yeah. your man falling a bit of a tear. But did you see last night, you know, when a, a team from say the conference gets to the next round and it's heating up and you're looking at the draw did you see the I lack of enthusiasm yeah. when they got Coventry or Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> I think Man City were left in the draw and there was no hiding the lack of excitement from anybody who made stones the great video going around oh, about it, it was yeah. brilliant it was brilliant I'm not sure what that says about my old club Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry and, and where they're at but it was, it was what he described it as seeing as like one of, you know, watching a world disaster or <laughs> 9-11 something terrible it was a brilliant um, result and listen they, they might go again and they, they might do a job on, on Coventry or Sheffield Wednesday they could they could obviously Aston Villa and Chelsea have to replay it good first half it was a poor second half yeah it was um, I actually thought Chelsea as the game went on could have nicked it if you think about that chance that Palmer had at the end you, you're thinking he has to go and, and pull it past Martinez and prefer to Martinez he pulled off a good save and for the Premier League sides I mean the one thing that you probably do want to avoid is a replay, a replay. just with the congestion of fixtures and it's not really one that I don't think Villa or Chelsea will, will really want and Villa at home have been particularly strong so I'd actually kind of fancy them heading into that replay Chelsea just so flaky and not really too sure what you're going to guess but there has been a, a definitely an uptick in their performances in recent weeks clean sheet is, is certainly something they can build on but it, it'll be a tight game I think at Villa Park I'd probably just fancy Villa in the replay Just away from the FA Cup uh, news today about Arteta well the links with uh, Barcelona and the fact that he might leave Arsenal now he's said it's fake news but still interesting to see so many people coming out with it I suppose especially after the Klopp mm. news Yeah absolutely and listen he's a very strong connection with Barcelona having come through the academy there but would you would you want to leave such a stable environment at Arsenal no. if you think the work that he's done with Edu and uh, you know bringing players into the squad they've obviously gone well in, in the Premier League they're still in the Champions League at the moment they're going to be challenging again in, on all fronts in, in the major competitions would you want to get up and leave and go into what seems to be a really turbulent environment of Barcelona like it hasn't been good there for a number of years I think the Spanish clubs have really struggled with finances ever since Covid Real Madrid Barcelona they were looking for the Super League don't forget Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's the environment you want to go into I think maybe Barcelona four, five, six, seven years ago was a completely different proposition and for Arteta I think he's got too much of a good thing there that he'd he'd be very very silly to leave Paul maybe you discussed this on Friday with Marie but would Xavi Alonso be an ideal replacement for Jurgen Klopp? I don't know, Ruby. It's like he's very early in his managerial career to to take they on. They lost such, the weekend, did they? I'm actually not too sure, but okay. I, I just think it'd be such a huge job for him to take on, and maybe it it deserves somebody who's got a bit more experience. Um, I tell it Deserby. I think he could be a good fit. Liverpool fans might think otherwise, but there's not a huge amount of players, or sorry, not a huge amount of managers or experienced figures out there that you would automatically connect the dots between Liverpool and, and the next manager so Xavi Alonso is going to remain top of that list while Leverkusen still go strong Go on Ruby No he will No Paul Corey thank you very much I think that's about all we have time for Marie Crow is it? time for you I'm not here tomorrow but you are here and you're going to have I'm a really with Shane show. Dawson 
Ronan Nagara. All, if you just brought in your, all your pals, Ronan Nagara, Alan Cawley, Tony O'Donoghue who's coming in, Stephen Kelly, and there is a board meeting in for, in the FAI. So there'll I'm be definitely not going to that. No, you wouldn't be letting. <laughs> uh, right, enjoy it, and uh, I think I'm back on Thursday. Better to serve us up next. RTE Two FM. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72-hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin.